episode 38. Meet the Creator Series with Sophia from CGC. Hey card fam, like the last interview episode, instead of doing a full monologue intro for this episode, I'm just going to jump right into the interview so that I don't have to break this up into two parts. However, I do want to take a moment to thank CGC and its social media manager, Lindsay, for helping to coordinate this chat with one of their graders, Sophia. Man, I, I really enjoyed this chat. And if you like what you hear from my guest, please give her a follow on Instagram at soft pelago and i'll put the name in the show notes for this episode um and yeah i gotta say when i see content being created on the pokemon and tcg side including you know my guest and her content i'm just so like delighted and impressed <laughs> by the creativity and even though i'm not really into pokemon uh for like my own pc like my kids are and uh, their friends are and you know it's definitely uh, big in their lives and you know uh you've heard from my mini meet the greater series so far that it, you know it's really clear and apparent that pokemon is the majority of all cards graded in the grading industry and so it's something that i'm very interested in learning more about again at the very least so i can connect more with my kids but from an educational standpoint again like Again, I can't believe how well or how high quality the Pokemon, the Japanese Pokemon cards are produced. And, you know, in the sports card world, we're just like thrilled if we have cards that are pack fresh, that are gem mint, right? So I think that's just a fascinating uh, dichotomy, if you will. But yeah, um, going back to the creativity of the content, it definitely sparks interest uh, and maybe even curiosity within me about how I can make more creative content as well. And so I just got to say, you know, hats off to my guest. You know, if you're listening to this, Sophia, thank you so much. Thank you for not only being a guest on this, uh, on my podcast, but also for some really cool content that you're creating, like the the photography, the still shots, that you have, it's it's just so impressive. It really is. So, and also thank you again to Lindsay and CGC uh, as a grading company for making uh, one of your graders available. Um, without further ado, I really hope you enjoyed this one, Card Fam. All right, I think we're live here. Welcome to what I think will be episode 38 of The Card Diary by Hobby S. Thompson. I'm your host, Denny Cards, the self-proclaimed jack-of-all-trades, master of none, maybe even uncle or funkle in the hobby. And as I like to paraphrase Jay-Z, you could be listening to any podcast in the world, but you're here with me, and thank you so much for doing so. However, you are not here just with me today. I have a very special guest for this continuing mini-series of Meet the Greater within my podcast where I'm just trying to learn more about the grading space and the companies and the people around it. Again, just trying to humanize different uh, positions and, and, and um, aspects of the, of, the, of the grading companies. So today, 
I am so pleased to say that I have a grader from CGC. Her name is Sophia, who I might add has a very impressive social media presence with more than triple my follower count. And she is just such a great content machine herself. She has been a grader for CGC for about two years. Uh, her favorite Pokemons are Dragonite and Mimikyu. And she, she told me uh, right before I pressed record that her shirt, for those of you who are listening only on audio, is of Mimikyu. She even showed me a tattoo, which is of Mimikyu. Amazing. <laughs> so um, I, let me just throw it to you. Uh, welcome to the pod, Sophia. Thank you Thank for having me. So yeah. Thank you. I'm so excited. It's so good to be here. Yeah, no, I, you know, it's so crazy. I, I, I was kind of going through these pre-call, pre-recording questions just to see what we can talk about. And as soon as I, so Jesse from Sports Card Nonsense, shout out to him. He was a guest on my podcast and he's big into Pokemon. And he and I have talked about, you know, I think we're buddies on Pokemon Go now and we're like sending each other gifts. Um, well, by the way, do you play Pokemon Go? Yes, I do. I love Pokemon Go. All right. Actually. We're going to have to become friends on that. Yes. But, <laughs> So one of the questions I had for him was like, you know, uh, what are the sports athlete analogs to certain Pokemon? So we're talking about like, you know, Charizard and, you know, the Michael Jordan of Pokemon is Charizard. So when you told me your favorite Pokemon were Dragonite and Mimikyu, I was like, all right, who are the who are the athlete uh, analogs uh, comparison points to that? And you had like this. Go ahead. Um, yeah, I I don't know much about sports. Um the only sports player that I know about is Steph Curry because I actually grew up in Davidson where he went and uh, to college and played basketball. So I used to go watch his basketball games um, when I was in high school with my friends. Um, and so I like knew him a little bit before. And then when I was abroad one day, I like saw him on TV and I was like, why is Steph Curry on TV? And it, my mind was just blown. And I was like, wow, he's actually famous now. And now he's like one of the most famous people in the whole world. And yes. I remember when he was just a little basketball player for Davidson College. So, <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. His, his nickname in, early on was like the baby fat, baby faced assassin. And like, he, yes. you saw him and he was so, he looks so young, you know, his rookie card, he looks so young. Yeah. So yeah. did you play Pokemon with him? I wish, but I do have oh a picture God. with him from when I was 16 and he was in college and we both look so young. Oh my goodness. That is so awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, like you, so you grew up in that area. Mm -hmm. um, can yeah. you remind me? So what, like what uh, city or town state is, is Davidson in? North Carolina. North Carolina. Okay. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, no, I, I man, just, I, <laughs> I I don't want to deviate too far, but I have so many questions. Maybe I'll just ask you offline. But that's so awesome that you you grew up and you you know you saw him when you were like in high school and he was in college and yeah. you grew up in that area. Like just what a what a magical run he had and um, just kind of like going into the NBA. Okay, I got to stop talking about this. Um, we are here to talk about you as a grader, uh, the grading space. Um, I had, uh, so far, I had a grader from FCG, Forensic Car Grading. That was a great interview. Shout out. Um, thank you so much to Craig. And then I had a president of a grading company, Eddie. Uh, thank you to Eddie. So today I have you on. And I just wanted people to get to, get to know you, you know, because I feel like there's a lot of uh, people who, there's a lot of myth, uh, a lot of kind of like uncertainty or unknowns about the grading space and who the graders are and, you know, do they when if they have a bad day, am I going to get bad grades on my card? So, you know, uh, maybe 
maybe the first question I'll ask you, and then I'll get to kind of like who you are, what you do, and you know everything about that is, can you please help dispel the myth or or confirm it? Does a having a bad day in your personal life does that affect your grading on a daily basis? So this is a great question. Um, as you know, we're all human beings, and human beings go through range of emotions, good days, bad days. Um, but I think here because we have such a strong team, um, we work together so well, you know, if someone is struggling with something, um, it's okay to go outside and like take 10 minutes and regroup, um, refocus and get back to work. Um, also, um, because we love what we do, like it's, it's, it's fun. We come to work every day and enjoy Pokemon and, and TCG and things like that. So when you're passionate about what you do, it's like, I find it harder for me personally to have a bad day, um, as well as the fact that we're so like focused on each card that we're grading. So um, I know I get into the zone and I don't really think about anything else when I'm grading because we have to pay such close attention to the details of like what we're doing and what we're looking at, which is um, a good way to like not really think about anything else. Um, so of course, you know, our we have emotions, but we kind of like leave that at the door and just come to work and focus on what we're doing. And because it's amazing and fun, it's kind of easy to have good days, I guess. <laughs> That's awesome. So again, just you heard it from a grader directly, you know, she's a consummate professional. And, you know, I think I, I remember, I mean, not I remember, but when, I, when I'm at work and I'm in the zone, like, yeah, I may have a really bad day with, you know, something going on. Uh -huh. back in the home front but you know you just focus on the work so yeah. and it seems like it is like uh you know the hobby is escapism but work can also be escapism for people who you know they just you just focus on what's right in front of you the task at hand and yeah. so you know exactly. hope hope listeners that's two graders in a row who said you know i'm a professional i you know there are we are human we have emotions but mm -hmm. you put put them at the door and you get to work so mm -hmm. i think that's really awesome that's a great answer so thank you so much for for sharing that. Um, so so you're human again. I'm trying to humanize it later. Um, kind of could you kind of you know tell tell me and the listeners kind of like how you know what's your collecting hobby journey look like? And I know you don't collect you know sports cards, but just mm -hmm. from the TCG TCG side of things, could you kind of tell us more about that, please? Yeah. So I actually started collecting Pokemon cards when I was just a little kid. I remember I would like save up all my allowance money and go to Target and buy a pack of cards. Um, and I was always super excited. And so I kept a binder and I would collect over the years, um, like base set, jungle, fossil, E-series. And I always made sure my binder was like very safe. And I remember in elementary school, I would like, we were like, oh, we're so rebellious because we would go to the hallways and like trade Pokemon cards with the other kids. And um, it was always so fun. And I played with my cards so much as well. Um, but I always made sure I knew where my binder was at all times. Like even when I went off to college, I was like, mom, make sure like my binder is safe. Like make sure nobody touches my Pokemon card binder. <laughs> and um, so, yeah, like I just always loved it. And then um, when I actually got back into collecting was in 2016 when Evolutions came out because I saw the artwork and I was like, oh my gosh, this literally looks like how they looked when I was a kid. And so it got me super excited. I know a lot of people, you know, came back when they saw like the nostalgia of evolutions come out. Um, and that's when I actually learned how to play the game. Um, I started going to tournaments and honestly, ever since then, like I've 
become like a hardcore Pokemon collector. Um, I started going to conventions, like pre-release tournaments. I got to meet uh, Mitsuhiro Rita at a convention in London, which was amazing. Um, and it became like my biggest hobby. And then the fact that then I was able to turn that into a job was just incredible. Like I never thought I would ever be able to do that. And I just love Pokemon with my entire heart and soul. And it's such a joy to get to work with cards um, every single day. And also not just Pokemon, but like I've learned so much about other games. Like I have even like a magic, a small magic collection because of the artwork. And I've learned recently, like I've learned how to play Lorcana, which has just come out. And um, like I have Digimon cards. And so it's been cool to explore lots of different TCGs through working here and learning so much. So it's been such an amazing journey. And like my Instagram that I created, so I've met this whole community of people who are incredible, who've like changed my life. I've met some of my best friends through Pokemon. It's it's just been such an incredible journey. So yeah. <laughs> I, I can't wait for my kids to listen to this interview and just kind of like see the joy that, I mean, you know, they're kids and they're, they, they have the joy now, but like, you know, just to see it in you and I mean, your social media, I mean, you, it's really impressive. I mean, the, the follower count is just a number. That's what I say too. It's just a number, but when it comes to building community and engagement and like, you certainly do a lot of that. And some of your shots, uh, I've seen your, you know, let's plug that here and I'll put it in the show notes, but really impressive artistic, you know, phot phot photographic shots. And I'm just like, wow, I'm, I'm blown away at your creativity. I'm, Sometimes I feel like, uh, you know, the, the Pokemon community may have some, you know, arguably better content creators just because maybe it is more artistic, you know, because it mm -hmm. is art. So when I see the the content in, in the TCG space, I, I, I am very impressed on Instagram. So thank you so much. Yeah, I actually um, and I studied art and photography specifically in college, mm -hmm. and um, I actually used to do a lot of photography. And so that's one of the main reasons that I started my Instagram account. I didn't think anything about um, that it was become this whole community. I was just like, I want to take like cool pictures of my cards and my um, Pokemon toys and stuff and post them. And yeah. it turned into something crazy beyond that I could ever have imagined and this whole new world. So I love being creative and, um, you know, taking like little figures out and putting them in the wild and like photographing them as if they're out there, things like that. I just yeah. love doing that. So yeah, I appreciate it a lot. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. So could we plug that uh, social media handle uh, for folks who want to follow you? Yeah. Um, on Instagram, I'm Soph Pelago. And then on everything else is Pokemon Pelago. Um, I have a YouTube channel and stuff like that. So yeah. <laughs> Soph Pelago is S-O-P-H-P-E- L-A-G-O. Okay. Yeah. What? So what is Pelago? So the name actually came from when I was playing Sun and Moon at the time. Um, there's a like Poke Pelago that you can go to and take your Pokemon there and like get jelly beans. And so I was like, oh, that's an interesting name. So it was like, I was just playing it at the time that I made my username. So that's where it came from. <laughs> I, lo I love it because, again, like, you know, with my name, Danny Cards, like, no one thinks that, you know, it, we, we all just start with an idea of, like, I want to post pictures and, you know, yeah. do fun things. And, you know, you're kind of stuck with it. I didn't know there are ways to change it. And I, I didn't want to go through that. I do have a secondary Instagram account for this hobbyist Thompson for the podcast. Mm -hmm. I don't even really monitor it that much. I feel bad because I keep trying to, uh, you know, move it forward and try to get some more traction. But I'm like, you know what? I'm not 
the hobbyist Thompson thing, that really is just for like the podcast, you know, mm-hmm. the, the rum diary by Hunter S Thompson card diary by hobby S Thompson. So, but no, you, uh, very impressive social media engagement following and, um, just your backgrounds, just the love of Pokemon you have is just, mm-hmm. I, I love it. It's coming through to me on camera. <laughs> so again, I can't wait for my kids to listen to this, uh, to this and kind of learn more about, uh, you know how it is to be a grader i don't know who knows maybe they'll want to be graders when they grow up too you know like they i've definitely uh, submitted pokemon cards uh you know of theirs to to um to grading companies mm-hmm. and it's like they learn right I, I try to i try to teach them but of course i'm not like a professional but we just kind of it's a bonding experience just yeah. like hey you know i'll just be like yeah, uh, you know, here's why I'm thinking maybe, you know, like ultimately I say, hey, here's your budget or like mm-hmm. you can you can submit three cards, but let's talk about which three. So I try, you know, ultimately I do let them choose which ones, but I say, you know, this what I'm looking at with this one is look at the back. Uh, there's a little bit of white in this corner. Do we really want to submit that? Mm-hmm. And then um, so so I let them do that. But you know, I think for me, it's a lot of it is just kind of like bonding uh, with them. And that's why I think maybe I do want to learn more about Pokemon because they love it so much. And, you know, yeah. uh, when we go to our local card shop, they're on the they're on the right hand side with the Pokemon stuff. And I'm on the left hand side with the sports stuff. But if we do more <laughs> of that together, that'd be great. Yeah. So, yeah. So uh, do you have um, like family members who collect with you or like I know you talk to friends on, um, on Instagram and all that. But like, do you? Do you have your local in real life community as well? Um, so I've actually done some openings with my mom before. Like I got her to open packs with me on my Instagram, which was really fun. Um, and also play Pokemon Go with her too. I got her to download Pokemon Go so we could play together. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, like some of the, actually some, a lot of the friends that I met through Pokemon Instagram, um, we've took trips together and met up in real life and spent time together in real life. And they've, They've become my like literal best friends in virtually, but now in real life, um, we went to California together. We took a trip to Arizona together, um, and like we all opened packs together, and like it's so fun, so fun. Um, so I make vlogs. Actually, I have vlogs of those on my YouTube channels, on my YouTube channel. Um, and <laughs> so yeah, like it, I I love I love getting to make those connections. It's it's just wild how it can bring people together from all over the world. I have friends all like throughout Europe and all sorts of places just that I met online because we shared a passion and a love for Pokemon. So yeah. And there's people here too, that I've met like through this job and stuff that we all have the same passion. So it's really fun to get to nerd out over, (laughs) over stuff like that. So yeah. So cool. I'm so glad that you have that. And yes, uh, both the, you know, the card, the hobby in general, the, the Pokemon side and the, tcg and the sports side so there's the international aspect i think that some of us in america tend to kind of forget right it's like we're we're the epicenter of so much but there is so much else outside of the u.s where you know there's a lot of collectors everywhere and just as die hard and spend just as much money and have just as much passion yeah. so i actually i used to live in england for five years i that was i, I was living in england at the time that i started collecting so um i was there for like the majority of my um, time getting back into Pokemon. So I have a lot of people in 
both places that I connected with. That is very cool. That is very cool. So, um, do I? I guess uh, I didn't plan for this question, but like, do your friends ever? Are they ever like, hey, I know you work with CGC. Can you kind of like hit me up with a discount code or hook me up or something? <laughs> um, I mean, occasionally people will say that to me, but I, of course, I'm like, no, like I, I, you know, I can't. I, I'm sorry. Like you have. Yeah. I, I give them the link to like the website to go through the process of how to, how to do it. Yeah. <laughs> that is funny. So yeah, let's get into the grading. Um, you know, thank you so much for kind of like sharing your, your background and, and just your love of Pokemon. So I know that this is one question I really did want to ask uh, someone, you know, who, who's been with uh, CGC for a couple of years is, uh, you know, how much training was involved to become a grader? So uh, we actually have a, a classroom where we are taught by like a professional educator who um, teaches us like all the basics of of grading and um, all and all the tools that we need and things like that. And so uh, we go through that process. And then after that, we uh, come come out on like the floor and we start grading cards um, and working closely with other people who have been doing it longer, basically. And um, we work closely together like that, ask lots of questions. So the fact that we have the classroom, though, is like really, really helpful um, learning in like an actual educational setting. I think that helps set us up for um, some, some to be really great graders. And then also we're constantly, I mean, we're constantly, everyone is constantly learning as we go. There's new, new games being introduced all the time. So I feel like we're constantly learning training like every single day. When I first started grading, we only did um, Pokemon and Magic, and now we do so many different things. So I think our team is really strong, and we have so many people that we can talk to and learn from and things like that. So I think it's it's not just the classroom. I mean, the classroom is an amazing foundation, but we're constantly growing and evolving as graders and people and learning new things every day. That's that's so awesome because, you know, it's kind of like the fun don't stop. The learning does yeah. not stop. You exactly. just keep learning continuously mm -hmm. and you have a support system. You have, yes. you know, the CDC who's providing the training, but also you're learning from your colleagues who've been there a little bit longer. And just you yes. guys are all just kind of like educating each other. That's awesome. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Uh, <laughs> I kind of want to be a creator now. Um, <laughs> so. So, uh, yeah, so with like Lorcana coming out, I, I know I've seen things online where people are were trying to pass things as authentic and they weren't. And like you, you all have to, it's almost, is it kind of like a cat and mouse game where you have to like really keep learning to mm -hmm. out, you know, because because there are people who are unfortunately trying to kind of, you know, run scams and stuff. Oh, yeah. I mean, we're always we're always um, trying to see if there's, you know, things that aren't authentic and then studying those and. Yeah, it's it's a constant learning process because people are always coming up with new ways to try to like trick people or you know get things passed. So yeah, it's it's definitely a process, and we have to again that's where where we have to be very detail oriented and like really focus on what we're doing because we want to you know obviously put out the best quality work and make sure um, we we do the best we can. So yeah, it's it's uh, definitely a constant learning process. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and, and, you know, one thing I did want to ask, and I know it's a little bit of an uncomfortable question, but 
it's it's one that I think a lot of people again kind of like to dispel the myth is oh man these graders they all grade each other's cards you know they're all buddies buddies and oh you know you got the president of the grading company he grades his own cards and he gets all this you know all this uh you know um advantage and favor so I just did want to ask you like you know you have your friends who are fellow graders but have you ever submitted your own cards for grading and like you know how does that experience look yeah, so um, I've definitely submitted cards, but our process um, is very anonymous. So basically, when we bring our cards in, we'll leave them at the front with security, and then we will not see them again until we get them back already slabbed up. So we have no part in the process whatsoever. Um, we like to have complete anonymity, just like with any other person who submits. So, you know, even though it's my cards, nobody like, the grader is not going to know like whose cards they are still. Um, so yeah, that's very, very important to us. And we make sure we have a procedure to follow when it comes to employee submissions like that. That's very awesome. I'm glad that there is that safeguard because again, this is why I wanted to have this conversation is people just make these assumptions. Yeah. And, um, you know, thank you for that very, you know, candid, uh, honest answer. So uh, when it comes to say submissions that or cards of you ha uh, that you you have or you grade. Uh, I know I briefly kind of talked about this before we I pressed record, but in, in the sports card world, there's like these three general eras of cards, which are vintage, modern, ultra modern. And so I was wondering, uh, I know you don't grade sports cards, but with the cards you do grade, are there different eras? And if so, does your time or experience grading those cards, does this time change? Because uh, you know, it, it takes you longer for maybe a different era and things like that. Like, it, like mm -hmm. maybe it is like in sports card world. So yeah, when it comes to Pokemon specifically, um, we, I, I mean, I just, we, I grade like whatever, um, whatever kind of era, vintage, modern, anything like that. It's not, you know, specific to like, I only grade vintage or something like that. I know there's with magic, like there's certain people that will lean towards grading, vintage or whatever. But with Pokemon, um, I, I just grade everything. And yeah, it does take it, it can take longer, slightly longer to grade vintage cards, like if they're super beat up or things like that, we have to look for all the little things. Um, modern typically are nicer because they're new, you know, they haven't been sitting around for 20 years. So um, it can take it, it can take a shorter amount of time for modern, but typically, uh, um, you know, you can you can grade like pretty, pretty similarly for like all cards. It's not it's not a huge difference. Gotcha. Um, OK, cool. Vintage, yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. Awesome. So is it OK if I get right into maybe like the questions for each of the classic four subgrade components, centering, corners, edges, surface? Yeah. Is that OK with you? OK, so. This is kind of unique to TCG card, uh, TCG game card game, <laughs> trading card game cards. Yeah. So with centering, mm -hmm. uh, I know in the sports card world, there is more leeway for the back of the card versus the front of the card. Um, and backs of sports cards have stats information. But for card games, you have to have like a deck of playing cards, the exact same back because you're trying to, you know, for tournament play, you don't want people to know what you know card is coming up next and all that so um how much leeway do you give the back of the card versus the front of the card when it comes to centering yeah i think it's pretty similar um the front 
definitely I think is more makes more of a difference in the back but also centering it's just kind of it is what it is like no matter how well you preserve your card or how you don't like it's the centering is not going to change so that because of that we don't you know hit we don't go like one for centering or something like that we don't hit centering as hard because it's it, it you know you can't you can't control what the centering is right. um so so yeah which is why it won't completely like destroy the grade if it has bad centering or yeah like and, and can i just say before we go to the other three subcomponent uh, subgrades i am continuously amazed and impressed by the quality of the Japanese uh, or even American, but like the Japanese Pokemon cards and the TCG cards, because the quality control is just stellar. Um, yeah. You, you, we have in the sports card world, we have cards that come out of thousand dollar boxes where the centering is just completely can be destroyed mm -hmm. and their print lines and everything. And here we have, you know, I know you have full art cards where there's no borders, but even the cards that have borders, I look and it's like perfect borders every single time. And then for the borderless cards, I guess I can't tell if things are well centered, but I have no doubt that they are actually centered really well. So centering mm -hmm. and print lines, those are the the, the manufacturers, the, the burdens on the manufacturers. But we as consumers, we have to bear the brunt. Yeah. Um, it's a risk we take, I guess. Yeah, it is. And it is incredible. Um, Japanese quality of Pokemon cards and other cards are just so, so good. Um, I I actually love collecting Japanese cards. And honestly, like, because it's partially because the quality is just so, so, so good. There's a lot less, a lot less centering issues or print lines or, or any kind of defects than with English cards. Um, and I've noticed, like, even recently with the scarlet and violet era like there have been like factory issues that you pull it straight out of the pack and you know it has something wrong with the surface or something like that mm. and it's it can be for, i know it can be very frustrating to people because it's like they just pulled the card and already yeah. it's not going to get a 10 because there's all these issues with it straight out of the pack um but with i feel like with japanese that's like rarely an issue you know yeah, yeah. no absolutely um so yeah, I think I think maybe the sports card role. We just we should demand more. We should demand the, yeah, the quality. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. it's wild that if if you get like a one rare card like that's that much money and it has horrible centering, I feel I feel like they should be more careful with the quality control. No, to totally, totally. <laughs> yeah. So so when it comes to again the differences between sports cards and and TCG, I I Craig mentioned how you have tournament players or tournament play cards where they're actually like double sleeved and um they're they're sleeved upside down meaning that the top of the card goes to the is it inserted first into the sleeve can you can you confirm or deny this, these uh wild rumors <laughs> i mean i used to in my own personal collection i used to double sleeve cards because i thought it would protect them better and I would put like the really tight, perfect fits on it. And actually I feel like that kind of could easily damage it. Um, I think it's safer just to have one sleeve on it because the more sleeves you're putting on it, the more chance of that it can like rub on the corners or the edges or things like that. So I think just keeping it in one sleeve is sufficient enough, you know, sleeve it and like put it in. If I, I'm a huge binder collector, so I have a lot of my cards mm -hmm. in binders. Um, but like, I like card savers or things like that, but 
I don't I, I don't think double sleeving is necessarily the way to go. <laughs> yeah, it sounded wild when I heard it. I'm like, I can't believe this is actually happening. Like, you know, these are people I need to block on Instagram, I guess. But um, no, it's it's uh, again, every community has their own set of, you know, uh, this is how we do things or right. all that. But, you know, ultimately, there there's too much of that. Do it the way you want. Binder yeah. is great. One. Yeah. One sleeve, go ahead. Two sleeves sounds wild to me, but if that's if you know, when in Rome, you know, if, <laughs> if people want to do that, yeah, you know, we're, we're not playing, yeah. yeah, we're not playing tournaments with our sports cards, you know, we're not playing, you know, it's not tournament play, it's we're, we're just preserving it. And so, yeah. if if you know, when in Rome, do what's do what uh, the, the locals do, so but that's really cool, thank you, <laughs> yeah. Um, when you okay, so corners, when when you are grading, do you? at all by chance see a particular corner more ding than others so when i ask that uh i'm thinking like you know when i put a card into a penny sleeve i usually go with the bottom right corner into the penny sleeve and then same thing with the top loader i could see for myself that being a corner that i ding more than the other ones because i'm not putting it in upside down i'm not putting it left side first but you know has that ever come across your way Honestly, I haven't noticed like one specific corner being worse than others. Um, mostly I'll see the damage that I'll see from corners is more from like the cut, like the factory cut or things like that. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I can see maybe like the bottom corners because people, you know, bang them on the table or something like that. But yeah, yeah. overall, I haven't noticed like a specific trend of one corner being damaged over the other. Okay. Yeah. And, and we're talking about card savers. Do you like it when, uh, submitters submit with like the card saver and then like a little tab like a sticky tab on top so you can pull the card out or is that completely irrelevant does that not matter at all i mean the tab that's that's interesting because so i've actually been i've worked through the whole process um so i, I started working in verification and receiving verification so when i was doing that um it it kind of helps to have a pull tab uh because it made it kind of quicker but um you also still have to be careful because when you're pulling it out you have to make sure because some people would like stick the pull tab onto directly onto the card or things like that. So that was, oh, that was not the best. <laughs> um, but that happened a lot. Um, oh, but no. <laughs> the it's, that's fine. Like having it in a card saver with or without, without a pull tab is fine. What is more frustrating is if like the whole thing is like taped shut or something, and then you have to like cut open the tape and, yeah, so just in a card saver, in a sleeve, in a card saver, that's like perfect, just like that. <laughs> the, the stories you all must have. Oh my gosh, I bet you like the lunch break room. Can you <laughs> believe this one person I know, this used, <laughs> you know, crazy, crazy glued their, uh, you know, yeah. their card saver to preserve it. They triple, yeah. they triple sleeved this Pokemon card. Yeah, it's like you think you're protecting it more but it's actually like damaging it more wow, wow. <laughs> yeah all right so i did ask craig this and we had a great talk talk about it but do you have a specific if you can think to your mind's eye you putting a pokemon card into a penny sleeve and top letter do you always do it one way where it's always one corner like are you left-handed right-handed does that matter like what do you think um i'm trying to think how i do it yeah i think i usually just like put it like right corner in first and then push it down and then i like like i said i keep a lot of my cards in binders 
Um, Cause I have a, I have a big collection of cards that aren't necessarily like super good. Like they, they might be a little bit damaged, but I just like the card and the artwork and stuff. So um, I have a lot of those in binders. So I just, yeah, I just, I think I just do it from like the right corner. It makes sense. You know, Craig said he was left-handed, so he went bottom left corner first. I think you mm -hmm. want the card away from your hands and you're putting it down at an angle. So it makes sense. I think a lot of people, that is what they do. If you're right-handed, you're bottom right corner first. Yeah. I think yeah. that just makes the most sense. <laughs> mm -hmm. So I, I got to ask you, are you, do you put left sock on, then left shoe on, or are you socks first? Then like, do you have a routine or you know, again, you may not even think about it. You you probably thought this morning, I'm going to just talk about Pokemon, uh, you know, on a podcast and have some fun. But, you know, how do you put your socks and shoes on? I <laughs> I definitely put my socks on first, both my socks and then both of my shoes. But I don't know if there's a specific order. I don't think there's, a, <laughs> I don't think I have. No rhyme or reason, right? No, <laughs> at least not that I can remember. <laughs> No, it's totally all right. Um, again, just a silly, fun question I, that I wanted to ask because, again, we're talking about putting our cards into sleeves and, you know, people putting uh, on, on socks and shoes. Just uh, curious how people do things, you know, just yeah. um, that's something we um, all every single day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, sometimes, you know, I when I can't find both shoes at the same time, I'm like, okay, just whatever shoe I first see, I got to put that one on. Yeah, you and, have to do that too. <laughs> yeah, no, it's like I, I I have two young kids. Like I I'm like, where are my shoes? Like where, you know, I have a I have a dog and you know, things just get moved around. So so anyway, <laughs> enough enough about my what my well, yes. I never wear I never wear socks that are like matching because I don't have time to try to match them. I always wear odd socks. <laughs> All right. Okay, we're getting a little bit deep here. You don't, so you don't match up any of your socks after laundry. No. So it's all, so are they at least the same length or are they also like, you know, low cut, mid cut? They're the same length. They are and the same length. They're all Pokemon. Like I have all, they're all like Pokemon socks. Oh, that makes, you know what? That's adorable. It'll yeah. Two with like an Eevee or something like that. Yeah. Oh, see, see that? I, I think that's awesome. I think that's so, so cool um, <laughs> to have two different socks like that and two different yeah. Pokemon. That's, <laughs> I, I hope people listen to this and go, you know what? She initially said she doesn't match up her socks before she puts them on that. That sounds wild to me, but now that it all makes sense. That all makes sense. I think that's really cool. I definitely my kids. I don't have adult Pokemon socks for myself, but my kids have their Pokemon socks, and I'm just like, again, just different person, different collector, different. You know, we're all different people, but I spend so much time hunting down socks to try to match up. Like I, I'm, I'm the opposite. I, I need. You're like, like, I need them to match. Yeah, there are these. I feel like all my socks are from like Costco and they're all Puma. Uh, shout out to all of us uh, dads <laughs> out there who are all of our apparel is now Costco, Kirkland Signature, and all that. But, <laughs> but I got to say, there are socks where there's just one little thing different from one sock to the other. And it's like the, the inline, the inseam color is gray or blue. And I'm like, I can't, it has to be the same. It's like, I have to have the same pair. Um, otherwise, I just feel off. And so, but maybe I, maybe I, uh, you know, live, live, uh, live how the, uh, you know, when in Rome, just maybe I should just embrace different, I should buy adult Pokemon socks. That's what I should do. It, do it. It'll change your life. Like, they're amazing. I mean, I love, 
everything. I have Pokemon shirts and dresses and everything Pokemon. I just, I'm obsessed. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, no, I, I should probably get some more Pokemon apparel in my, in my uh, closet. Maybe not the dresses. I just, I just don't know if that's going to, if they make a men's size for me. Uh, but, you know, I will say that I, I love, I want to get more into Pokemon again to, to bond with my kids. Cause I know that they're going to, you know, um, not, not like, uh, I only have them for, you know, a short period of time and then they grow up and then they, mm -hmm. you know, want to hang out with their kid, uh, with their, with their friends and, you know, my influence on them and just starts to slowly, uh, wane. So, um, but yeah, no, thank you so much. Like that's, that's, uh, <laughs> that is great. That is so awesome. So we moving on to the third of the subgrades of the four subgrades. Mm -hmm. So edges, um, do you, Kind of like the corners question. Do you see any particular edge that is more affected than the others? And the reason I ask that is we know that people, any card, if you put into a top loader, people are pressing on that top edge. Mm -hmm. Some people tap it. Some people smush it. Some people, uh, well, remember that thing from the 90s? Or it's like bop it, skip oh, it. Yeah, <laughs> I twist it. Twist it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What are people doing to their cards? But yeah, do you see that? Um, yeah, I feel like the tops and the bottom edges usually are worse than the sides, um, typically. But again, um it also depends on like, you know, with modern cards, usually it's not so much of an issue. It's mostly like older cards that we see a lot more of that kind of damage. Um I think I think a lot of people are pretty careful with like how they put the cards in. So it's, it's not too, there doesn't get to be too much damage um, that way, but yeah, like they, it's again, it's, if there's issues, it's because of the cut or something like that, or the way that the blades, you know, slice the card or whatever. Mm -hmm. So um, generally I don't see a, again, a specific thing except for the, maybe the tops and the bottoms a little more than the sides. Gotcha. Yeah, because now I'm thinking about it, you know, I'm thinking about the penny sleeves top loaders, but people are, again, in the 90s, if they're playing Pokemon or the early 2000s, they're, they they have the binders and they're putting their cards. Uh, you can't tap a card into a binder. You do have to kind of press on the top to put it in. Yeah. You know, it's, it's not a, you know, individual top loader that you just kind of do that with so yeah and back in the day i feel like people didn't really even put sleeves on they would just put them straight into the binder you know so there are a lot i feel like people are a lot more careful now and there's so many different Definitely. ways of protecting the cards now that there wasn't back then i used to i mean i used to make up games with my cards and like play with my dad like whatever mm -hmm. and just like throw them around so all my cards from when i was a kid are beat up but like i played with them a lot you know and i think a lot of people did they they didn't know it was going to become some super valuable collectible. We just threw them around and played with them like kids do. So, yeah. And and, and they're kind of so they were they were supposed to be played. It's like uh you know toys like yeah yeah. <laughs> but so so actually uh when my kids I take them to shows uh, some really good Pokemon dealers I I've learned this because uh, at first I was like what is this dot system and the LP MP HP but. Uh, mm -hmm you know what, what I'm about to say, but did you want to kind of like explain to the listeners what LP and PHP are and all that? Yeah. So um, it's like basically the scale of, of how the condition of the card, you know, like near mint or light played or things like that. Yeah. Um, heavy played uh, kind of a standard for how we all will signify the, um, the damage on a card. Yeah. It's like, 
honesty, right? It's like, here's yeah. a person who pack pulled a card. They're being really honest with the, a potential buyer saying, I heavily, I played this a lot and mm-hmm. I want you to know that I played with it. And yeah. versus, um, yeah, I, I played in one or two tournaments with this and it's lightly played. And then medium played maybe is not as significant as uh, lightly and heavily played. But yeah. I really appreciated it. I was like, I looked at this binder and this guy, it was like a top loader binder, right? And he was selling these cards, uh, these single Pokemon cards. And he's like, I was like, what? what is this dot system and all this? And, you know, he was so nice to kind of explain it. And he's like, yeah, this is what, you know, um, we we the good people in the Pokemon community expect of each other when we sell cards to each other. So again, like an industry or like a self-regulated um, normal norm uh, that I thought was just so cool. Yeah. And um, as you probably know, like we um, do the eBay authentication here at CGC and I, and I'm one of the people who does the authentication. And so that's also a huge, huge important part of, you know, making sure that the, the condition matches what, the person is sending so yeah it's definitely very important those things and that the person is being honest yeah no that's so awesome that's yeah. I, I love the the um expectation of integrity within the pokemon community and I, and I know people could be like oh i i barely played with this card and they actually played with it a lot but mm-hmm. just the fact that that uh system exists lp mphp i think it's really cool in, in the tcg world and again hopefully that that proliferates with these other new card games coming out, right? Like Lorcana yes. and all that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. No, very cool. All right. So I did promise that I would try to get as close to 40, 45 minutes with this. So moving on to Surface, mm-hmm. uh, how much does one fingerprint or a post-production aftermarket uh, uh, incident or accident, uh, how much does one fingerprint affect the surface grade? Or is it more that, you know, it's print lines and production quality that the consumer does not control? Is that more of the issue? Like, what do you see more of? Um, to be honest, like, I don't see too, too many fingerprints. And if I do, they're usually like super, super light that we can just like brush off with a microfiber cloth. Um, but I feel like in general, I don't see as many fingerprints as I would have thought I would have seen, like if I before. Um, but if there is like an actual like you know big fingerprint or something it's usually because there's some kind of other like foreign substance that was like on their hands or something so we'll just kind of hit it like you know foreign substance but a lot of times they're just super light and they can just be like lightly brushed off um most of the time it's more like a lot of like factory like print lines or um in the newer like v cards they often have like a inconsistency in like the surface like the the way it was made and things like that. So um, yeah, it just, it kind of depends. A lot of the fingerprints aren't really that, like that big of a deal because they can just be easily wiped off. But I I will say like um, specific cards do pick up fingerprints more than others. For example, Mm. um, the U, I don't know if you know about the Unigaba like evolution promos that came out recently. Um, Oh, it's it, they're, they're a type of, they're a type of like Japanese Pokemon card and the whole surface is like kind of like glossy. Um, and so it's easy to like see fingerprints on those. Those are the kinds of things that I see them on mostly, but again, like they can be easily just like, they're very, very not, they're not like ingrained in the surface or anything like that. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, and and you don't see like fingernail dents. I've heard that could be an issue. Not too often. No. Um, occasionally, but like rarely I see those. Okay. Gotcha. All right. Yeah. I was thinking if people are, 
literally putting pull tabs adhesives on their own cards and you know yeah. scratches and i mean i thought surface might be more of an issue but um you know you this is why i have greater on kind of yeah. showing from your vantage point what you're seeing what you're not i mean when i mean when cards are damaged like there can be like a lot of damage like creases and things like that and yeah we are we see that we do see that a lot more with older cards um like obviously they're a lot older they've been around a lot longer but um yeah like creases are very obviously very bad and and that happens and we do see a lot of that on people just and because people send in you know cards maybe that they just love they they've had since their childhood like i've i've done that before i've sent i've submit cards that they're not in good condition but i just like want to preserve them because i love them so much you know mm. um so we do see issues it's just like yeah it's it's a lot a lot more in vintage cards than the modern ones and so there is that aspect, right? I mean, there's so much talk about grading with with, with regards to f grade and flip and investing in the money side of it. But it kind of comes down to, again, I, I don't want to sound too idealistic or romantic, but there is the element of people grading to preserve because they just want their cards in a really nice looking slab and have a numerical grade that represents their current uh, ability to sleeve cards or their past ability their past self it's almost like getting a grade of you know yourself as a kid like how well did you preserve your cards as a kid mm -hmm. yeah definitely i mean there's there's it's it's a mixture of both you know a lot of people do submit a lot of cards to then sell but there are definitely people who submit like their personal collections that they love or their childhood collections and even, you know, even if you get, like, I submitted one and I got, like, a five or something like that. It was, like, one of my favorite cards from when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. um, and I didn't care what grade it got. Like, I just wanted it now, like, preserved forever. And, like, I can, you know, put it on my shelf or whatever and be like, oh, like, I played with this card when I was a kid. Like, there's all these mm -hmm. memories associated with it. And it just is very meaningful to me. And, like, those kinds of things, I think, are more common than you would think like a lot of people think it's just you know people flipping cards but no like there's a lot of people who genuinely just like love these cards and their collections and like want to like keep them preserved forever so yeah that is that is awesome and uh man i i knew i was gonna go over time but i do have to ask you like when it comes to tools of the trade do you have um like could you share like what you know like, you know, we at home, right, the consumer, we have like magnifying glasses, we have loops, we have, you know, some of us have like the like rulers or centering tools and things like that. But, um, you know, like, do you know how, how strong of magnification your loop is and like numerically and things like that? Or is that not allowed to be yeah. shared? I don't know. <laughs> we have loops. Um, I mean, we have loops that are different magnifications, like, mm. they're not all the same, necessarily. But yeah, we have loops and like rulers and UV lights and different lights and things like that. We have, you know, our trays that we keep the cards in to make sure they're not like flying all over the place. They, they stay in like a spot. Um, and yeah, I think we use like, like similar tools to what you were saying. Um, there's certain machines that we have like to help us determine like authenticities and things like that. Um, but yeah, like day-to-day -day things, rulers and lights and loops and and our eyeballs <laughs> and, and very important your eyeballs and, and i gotta say i promise i am not gonna ask about the machines because we don't want to uh that's definitely something that should be kept secret to you all because that's how you get that that's how you're ahead of the these people who are doing some unsavory things so 
but I think it's really cool that you answered in that way of like you have different loops, different lights. Again, you're a professional. You have it's not like one hammer can fix everything unless you're Thor. Um, <laughs> but you have these different tools and different things for depending on the situation and circumstances. I think that's fantastic. Mm -hmm. So yeah, different cards and things that we look at. And yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. Um, you know, I, I feel like I could go on forever, but I know that I, I promised that I would keep this uh, as close to 45 minutes as possible. Sophia, I think it just means I have to have you on in the future. And for people who think that I didn't ask you all the questions I should have asked or I wasn't hard enough or whatever, I got to say, um, your team was so nice to get you on and to to have a face now for a greater in, in CGC. I think it's fantastic. And, you know, I think people should just create their own podcast and have you on and ask questions to you if they want, you know, like I, I am just doing this to be uh, someone who's curious about it and wants to learn. And what's great about recording this is I get to do it uh, and be the first person to hear this, you know, interview because yeah. I got to record it. So you were just fantastic. This Aww, was so fun. Thank you. Thank you so, so, so much for having me. It's been so wonderful. <laughs> Yeah, so I, I know you got to get back to the grading floor. Um, yeah. <laughs> just uh, have a wonderful day. Uh, you know, you you are just so excellent, and I, I hope that people really enjoy this episode. So thank you so much. Thank you so much. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Car Diary by Hobby S. Thompson. You can find the show's Instagram account at Hobby S. Thompson, all one word. And you can find my personal hobby Instagram account at Denny underscore cart. You can also reach me and the show via email at Hobby S. Thompson at gmail.com. Please send any and all questions there if you do not have Instagram. Also, if you're able to rate or review this podcast in whichever platform you're listening to me on, I would very much appreciate that. Finally, wherever you are in your cardboard journey, I wish you well, and I am rooting for you. Remember, we all start at zero. And also, do what you want, because unless this is a business or a main source of income for you, the hobby is supposed to be fun. <laughs>